does administration around here. And, you know, when she goes for that mic, it's better off that we just sit still and listen because she probably has something important to say. Well, welcome to Hilltop Church, everybody. So glad you're here. My name is uh, Daryl Temple, for those who don't know. I, um, I have the privilege of double dipping today, uh, both leading worship and preaching, which I haven't done in a long time, uh, but I'm excited about nevertheless. And so we're going to get right into today's sermon. Um, we are changing gears. Uh, last month, or I should say last Sunday, we ended with uh, the Great Commission series. Uh, how many enjoyed, if you were here, Bethany's sermon last Sunday? Yeah. Got a lot of good feedback about that sermon. I hope I can, you know, live up to the expectations that you may have after or after she preached this Sunday. Um, oh, some of you are like, oh, he's so pathetic. No, uh, <laughs> no I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, well, we're uh, segueing into a new uh, series, and we're titling this series a uh, Cultivating a Spirit-Filled Community. Cultivating a Spirit-Filled Community. Now, if you've been around Hilltop for any length of time, you know that we've spent a lot of time uh, talking about, well, community, right? Um, we, we spend a great deal either through our community groups or how many were able to join maybe a merge or two over the summer, talking about uh, a community. Okay, a couple of you. Uh, thank you for all of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's okay. Listen, this is kind of like a talk, holla back at your boy kind of church, you know. Uh, and, and hopefully you can tell by the music that we are very expressive. We, we, I, I dig an amen every once in a while just to help me know that you're alive and everything's okay. Um, it, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Well, well placed anyways. Let's make it sure it's placed. No, no I'm kidding. Um, but we've been talking about community for quite some time. There's good reasons for that. Um, and I don't want to get into those reasons this morning simply because, well, a lot of you here have already heard those reasons. So don't worry if you're worried. Um, we're not going to get into those reasons this morning. But what I will say is this. With the influx of new people coming in this time of the year, it kind of calls for us, the leadership here at Hilltop, to uh, present and give a vision, if you would, uh, for those who are new coming into the church, right? I mean, I don't think, I mean, I've only had the privilege of attending maybe three churches, and this is like my third. I don't do a lot of church hopping, haven't in my 20 years of being saved. Uh, so I've only been part of three, and this is my third, and I'm actually pastoring this one. I know, pretty cool, right? Uh, but, uh, you know, we need to understand that uh, no vision, um, well, maybe I can say it this way. Each church has their own way of kind of giving uh, their kind of biblical concept, if you would, or precepts of what community is and looks like. And so no church is the same. You know, you could walk, you know, maybe after this Sunday and go to another church and you're like, they do community and they preach about community totally different than what we do here. And so it's appropriate, I think, uh, that we start off on the right foot kind of laying out a solid vision, hopefully, for community. And so we've titled this series, again, Cultivating a Spirit-Filled Community. Now, if you're going to build any kind of community, let me just out the door say it's probably best that that community be spirit-filled. Amen? Can you, can, you, can you give me an amen? Right? I mean, well, might as well start on the right foot. I mean, the Holy Spirit, he's, he's a significant guy. He's a person. He's not an it, right? He's not some mysterious, you know, fog. 
uh, Sunday morning in the church's fog machine. Like he is, he is a person. He is God, the Holy Spirit. Therefore, you know, if we're going to talk about him, we might as well. Uh, and if we're going to talk about community, community and the Holy Spirit, then we might as well do it and do it right. And so to do this, if you would, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. You probably are already um, familiar with this verse, and I don't think that there really exists another text that will help us uh, get to the heart of this uh, message this morning. And so Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 16. Is that okay? Now, you got to bear with me. I, I think, I don't know how long we've been doing translation, but I mean, we're still trying to figure out the rhythm. So every once in a while, I'll get this card over here. And it will cause me to either like jam up in my thoughts or slow real like, like down. And so um, just bear with us as we kind of get through this. And everybody gets to hear God's word this morning. Everyone. Amen. So Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, says this. But I say, walk by the Spirit. There's the big idea. Walk by the Spirit. And what? You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Wow. Now that, is that not a promise? Some of you are like, wow, this is like, uh, you're like, you know, never mind, we won't go there. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. They're things like sexual immorality impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. I just had one this morning. Um, rivalries and dissensions. No, I didn't. I'm just kidding. Uh, divisions, envy and drunkenness, orgies and things like these. I, I want to warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, well, is love, joy, Peace and patience, kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Uh, such against there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If you live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another or envying one another. So, just some brief observations, right? Right out the door. The big idea that Paul's kind of laying out in these 12 to 13 verses is that we are to walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live in the Spirit, and keep in step with the Spirit. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, but I, you know, I start asking questions right away. Like, for me, it's like, what does, just per se, walking by the Spirit mean? Or better yet, what does it look like to walk by the Spirit? Anybody here like me, just have some questions. Like, what does that, well, let's see if we can kind of suss out what Paul uh, is, is, is trying to explain when he says walk by the Spirit, because I can believe we can find it right in the text. So something that might help us do that is, well, looking at the distinctions that Paul makes between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Like, duh, right? That, that makes sense. Uh, verses 19 through 21, Paul lists for us, we read it, but let's read it again just in case we need a fresh reminder. Paul says this, now the works of the flesh are evident, they're visible, they're, they're clear. We shouldn't be um, deceived or taken by what these works of the flesh are. He says they are evident, they are things like sexual immorality, impurity, 
sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, and fits of anger, divisions, dissensions, envy, darkness, and orgies, and things like these. So he gives us a little bit of context, right? uh, It seems as though by his end in verse 21 that there's a bit more, but he just kind of gives us a feel for uh, what the works of the flesh may look like. And then in verse 22 and 23, we, we, we switch gears, and he starts talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And again, we all know what the fruit of the Spirit is, but let's just read it so we get it in our heads and our hearts afresh this morning. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Pretty clear? We all on the same page so far, not uh, lost, but we get it. Like, these distinctions are clear. They're, they're, they're very separated, right? Like, you know, love has, right, nothing to do with anger, right? You can't, you can't get there from there. Like, you know, the flesh produces a whole kind of uh, fruit that the spirit doesn't, and the spirit produces a whole other kind of fruit that the flesh doesn't, right? And so there's some pretty clear distinctions. Now then, in verse 17, Paul talks about the conflict, all right? So we go from the distinctions now to a conflict that exists. And here he explains this war between the flesh and the spirit. And the spirit and the flesh. Here, let's read it again just in case we missed it in verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed, excuse me, to one another. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. Now right there, as he closes out verse 17... This whole kind of uh, wording that he says to keep you and I from what we want to do is a clear indication that there's some kind of war going on. You could either want to gratify the desires of the flesh or produce the Holy Spirit or produce, I should say, the fruit of the Spirit. So there's this tension. There's this war that exists. So again, distinctions and conflict, right? That's, that's what we get so far in these first two verses. Uh, uh, distinctions between the uh, fruit of the Spirit and the flesh and, and its desires and what it produces in our lives. And then this conflict of which we uh, are right in the middle of this conflict. Us, you and I. Now, I know he doesn't say that. Uh, by word, but that's, that's the picture he's trying to give us. There's this conflict that's going on. There's this tension that exists. There's this struggle in this war that's happening, and we just happen to find ourselves right in the center of that war between the flesh and the spirit. Uh, the question that Paul, I believe, poses for us is this. Are, are we walking by the flesh, thus gratifying its desires, or are we walking by the spirit, thus producing, what, the fruit of the Spirit, right? Now, in verse 24, I I happen to believe that Paul assumes the latter. If you want to turn there or look there again in your Bible or on the overhead here, or your phone or whatever it is you're using, it's kind of dark in here for a Bible. Sorry about that. So it's the age of technology, you know, get over it. Uh, Uh, But I happen to believe that Paul is assuming the latter, right? In verse 24, Paul says this, And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have what? Crucified their flesh in its passions and desires. I believe Paul um, is addressing people who consider themselves dead to the flesh. People who have 
like Christ, crucified their flesh with Christ. You, you get what I'm trying to say? So it's definitely the latter uh, uh, group, or, or, or yeah, the, the people that he's addressing here. It, um, it's um, the purpose, I think, if we look at it like that, if, if we look at it in a way that suggests that Paul is talking to believers who have crucified their flesh, if we, if we actually believe that, then, then the kind of purpose of the text takes on a different meaning. So it becomes more instructional for us, right, than um, a correctional, right? It, it becomes more informative than uh, confrontational. He's not rebuking. He's trying to inform us of something. He's trying to help us with something here, to understand something, to inform us, not to correct us. And that's very good news. That's very good news as we get to the heart of um, the topic here this morning. So the second thing uh, that I believe that we need to do in order to understand what it means to walk by the Spirit is uh, look at what I'm calling the perks of walking by the Spirit. Yeah, this thing comes with some perks. It's pretty cool, right? I mean, there, there's some upshots, right? Uh, there's some dangers, you know, uh, of doing the opposite, but there's some pretty cool things when we walk, that happen, excuse me, when we walk by the Spirit. So let's just catch us up here. There are some clear and present upshots of walking by the Spirit as well as some clear and real dangers. Let me, let me emphasize this. Some clear and real dangers that exist when we gratify the desires of the flesh. So let's start on the happy side, shall we? Let's start with the perks. Um, in verse 16, we get one right away. We read it right in the uh, throes of this service, in the throes of this uh, time of preaching. In verse um, 16, Paul says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Is this too simple for you? I mean, this is pretty, like, we, we get and we're tracking, right? It's, it, it's, it's very simple, right? Paul just says, hey, listen, if, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not seek to gratify the desires of the flesh. So, so in, in essence, uh, walking by the Spirit safeguards uh, our tendencies for what? Gratifying the flesh. Now, excuse me, you're going to hear a lot of spirit and flesh talk. I apologize. I'm gonna, I'm, uh, but it's kind of like the, 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 the context. It's kind of like the foundation of, this, uh, uh, of these verses, I should say. Uh, so, uh, again, if you want to produce fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of love, kindness, and patience, and self-control, uh, then you best be walking by the what, folks? Holler at your boy, the Spirit. So let's break this down a little bit, just for the sake of clarity, and hopefully you're tracking. Uh, the words walk by the Spirit appear twice in chapter 5. Once in verse 16 and another in 25. In verse 19, uh, we see the other side of what not walking by the Spirit looks like. Uh, and, and what it looks like when we feed the desires of the flesh. In the scripture, the flesh is that part of us, right, uh, that does not regard God. It does not care about the things of God. It, it's, it's rather interested in worldliness than it is godliness, right, all the time. Uh, Romans 8, 7, you can turn there real quick. We can put it up on the overhead. Paul says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. That's bad news, right? It's not, I mean, there's nothing good, Paul says, that comes out of the flesh. It's that part of us, again, that ha has and holds and, and really has no regard for God at all. Now, 
if, if we are, and we should, connect Galatians chapter 5 with Romans chapter 8. And you can, because the language in the chapters are similar. The message in which Paul is bringing the Romans is the same message, essentially, that he brings the people here in Galatia. And if we're making that connection, we find out the effects, right? We just read them in verse 16. Uh, And we'll get into some more, because there is some more effects. But the effects of what actually takes place in the life of the believer when we walk by the Spirit. Now, there is a lot of hope here, right? If, if me walking by the Spirit causes me, a person who is prone to gratifying the desires of the flesh, I'm human, you know, you know I, I, I wrestle with anger, I've got to be careful with my tongue and how I speak of others, right? And so I'm, I'm prone to kind of gratify those desires in me. But there comes within this text a sense of hope that kind of settles my uh, feelings of hypocrisy, right? I mean, that's naturally what these things do. It's like, how can I be a believer and have anger in my heart with my brother or my sister? How can I be a believer and have these... Um, Thoughts of immorality or sensuality towards another. I mean, that doesn't really cause a lot of mental stability, does it? You, you kind of feel like, am I, do I have like dual personalities here? Like, am I this person on Sunday and then this person on Monday? And, and, and Paul is kind of giving us some hope and he's saying, yeah, listen, there's nothing really all that good that's going to come out of your flesh. But if you learn to walk by the Spirit, If you begin to walk by the Spirit, then you will not gratify the desires or lusts of the flesh. So again, briefly, friends, the flesh produces one set of desires. The Spirit produces another, okay? Uh, And those desires are at odds with one another, right? I mean, uh, there's nothing that can be born... uh, born of the Spirit that's in the flesh, right? The Spirit can't produce anger and bitterness, and the flesh can't produce, excuse me, produce love and kindness, right? So when our appetites are being produced by the Spirit, our desires to gratify the flesh lessen, so there's a lot of hope in that. In other words, walking by the Spirit is what happens when our desires, created by the Spirit, are greater than the desires created by the flesh. Let me say that. Walking in the Spirit means this. It's what happens when our desires to crave and gratify the lust of the flesh uh, lessen in our hearts, lessen in our heads, lessen in our appetites, and they're replaced with something greater. And, and, it's, and it's not you white-knuckling your way trying to get better affections for Jesus. It's not you trying to, you know, by your own determination say, oh, I'm just going to be a better Christian. No. All these things are produced by the Spirit. This is not a works-based religion. This is a faith-based. This is a leaning on. It's, It's a walking with. It's a living in relationship. And so, This settles a lot of the conflict, I believe, within us. Because I don't know about you, but nothing confuses me the most 
when I'm in the throes of what feels like a dual kind of personality, like on one day I'm this person, on the next day I'm this, it's that this conflict is going on in the spirit day in and day out, month in, month out, year after year, it's getting and laying hold more of my heart, producing more of his fruit in my life. No, I'm not perfect, but if you rewind the clock, you know, a good six years, I'm certainly not the same, Daryl, I was then that I am now. And, and in that, oh, there is a lot of hope. It settles a lot of issues, and it stables my mind. It, it, it makes my thoughts about myself in the way that God thinks about me. It brings a sense of kind of security and hope. Because I realize I'm not really in control here. There's this war going on within me, and all I am simply is just being obedient to walk, be led, live in, and keep in step with God's Spirit. And so, really, if you boil it down to that, the Holy Spirit is responsible for the fruit that's produced in your life. This is not works-based uh, religion. This is a relationship that you get invited into by Jesus to walk closely with His Holy Spirit. He does the work, not you, not me. It's good news, everybody. It's good news. Oh, for me, that cures, that, that just settles a lot of issues in my heart and in my head. It really does. Now, there are more perks in verse 18, just in case you thought I was done. <laughs> this is great. It says this uh, in verse 18 of the same chapter, Galatians chapter 5. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. I always got a bit confused, like... And I don't want to get in the weeds here, okay? I really don't. I don't want to be like, yeah, let's just do away with the law. That's, no, we can't do away with the law. The law is a teacher. It's meant to show us when we've done something uh, that is a work of the flesh. So naturally, it's going to condemn. It's going to convict. It's going to do something that you're not going to like emotionally and mentally and even spiritually because that's what it's meant to do. But when you walk by the Spirit, Paul essentially says, you are not under the law. Why? Well, he said it. There is no law against these things. There's no law against loving your brother. There's no law about being kind. There's no law about being grateful and generous. God's not going to condemn you. He's going to encourage you in it. But the moment you decide to sow to the flesh, Oh, that's when the heaviness comes in. That's when the law does its work. And you know what I would go as far to say? It's a real good thing that you feel convicted. It's a real good thing that even you may wrestle with some shame. That you may wrestle with even, dare I say, some condemnation. Even though there is no condemnation in Christ. But even if you're getting those things confused a little, it's a good thing. It means your heart's alive. You should be more concerned if you sow to the flesh and you have no feelings at all. You have no remorse, no conviction, no feelings of like, oh God, forgive me. Oh, but the opposite is true. When your heart comes directly in contact with the Spirit of God and He convicts you, oh, you should rejoice that your heart feels anything. Because there are so many Christians today 
that can go about their lives and do exactly whatever, however they want to and feel nothing over it. Absolutely no conviction. Nothing at all. And that's the moment you and I, if we ever, God forbid, come to that place, be very concerned. So it's a good thing. But if you walk by the Spirit, the perk is this. You are not under the law. You don't have to... You have to get hedged in with those feelings of like, what did I do? So if I could break this down without getting into the weeds about the Mosaic law, um, I would say this, that when Paul says being led by the Spirit, he's simply meaning submit yourself to the teachings and guidance of the Holy Spirit. When he says you're not under the law, he is saying you're not under the, uh, you're, uh, sorry, uh, excuse me, uh, under a different dispensation. You're under the dispensation of the Spirit and his leading. And that, my friends, is great news. So I want to just break this down just in case you're lost. You and I are free. Free from the restraints and control of the law if we're being led by the Spirit if we're walking by the Spirit. Because against the things of the Spirit, there exists no law whatsoever. Actually, when we love one another, Jesus said, the law is fulfilled. Think about that for a little while. Now, the downside, the dangers, right, of walking in the flesh. And we've already touched upon them, and I don't want to Bring it too much further than just verse 21, where Paul says this, and this is going to hit like a brick, I'm sure. But he says, I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things that I've listed, he's talking about the things in which he has listed in verses 19, 20, and the first half of 21, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Period. It doesn't need a lot of explanation, doesn't need a lot of help to explain. However, what I will say is this. When Paul is bringing this up and when he says those who do such things, he is referring to those who make it their practice in life, their goal in life to gratify the desires of the flesh. People who are habitually, with no conviction at all, living for lust and materialism and anger and such. So he is referring to those who gratify the desires of the flesh. So in essence, Paul is saying, that their outward conduct, right, indicates their inward spiritual status. And that is, they are not born of God. They do not have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they will not enter the kingdom of God. So, in short, in wrapping up, there are two kinds of people that Paul addresses here in Galatians chapter 5. The difference between those who are walking by the Spirit and now he changes the words. Did you notice? From walking in verse 16 now to being led by the Spirit. Paul uses the word led um, as he is explaining how the fruit of the Spirit isn't produced, again, by our self-determination. Again, this is something that is Holy Spirit done, Holy Spirit produced. He, 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 your flesh cannot do it. It will not do it ever. Your own determination, your self-will cannot do it. So when he says being led, it's really the Holy Spirit grabbing you and I by the hand, leading us. He's in the lead. 
We're not leading. We're not determined. Nothing other than we are just trying to walk. Being, we are trying to be led. We are trying to keep in step. We are trying to live in the Spirit. That is all that we do. And so this is the byproduct of being a new creation. The Holy Spirit empowers us. He enables us to essentially do what the flesh can't do. Turn with me to, again, Romans chapter 8 and 7. Uh, just to read again, 8 verse 7, excuse me. It says this, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, for indeed it cannot. And then now, turn back a chapter to chapter 7 verse 18. Paul says this, I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwells no good. Some of us might think here, oh, look, Paul, like, go like, get some inner healing, man. Like, this doesn't sound like, like you know, a new, new kind of like New Testament theology. Like, what's wrong with you? There's nothing, like, what? I mean, what do you do with that? There's, there's nothing of any good uh, that is in your flesh that dwells in you. Uh, but the reality, friends, here, what Paul is kind of posing for us in Galatians chapter 5, in Romans 8, 7, and now here in uh, 7.18 of the book of Romans, is actually good news. If, if, you, if you think about it, it kind of just puts us uh, in a position to, to not sweat it, much like I am right now. <laughs> but, but to kind of just lean and be led and walk with the Holy Spirit. And almost, it, it kind of, you know, when my son was born, like, I mean, I mean even now, he's 10 and he still doesn't do anything. But... Um, <laughs> But when he was a new baby, like everything was, I mean, we get that, right? We had to, we, well, if you're a parent here, you know where I'm going with this. But he was utterly and completely dependent on his mom and I. He didn't do anything. And so this is kind of the imagery that we get here uh, in Galatians chapter 5, is that we are utterly like a baby, like a, like a newborn, utterly and completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit, not only to lead us, but to actually produce in us the fruit of the Spirit. And, and I don't know, for me, that, that sets my heart at ease. It doesn't mean that I'm just cruising through life and just like, oh, what sera, whatever will be, will be. No! It actually fuels inside of my heart a certain kind of devotion and love for Christ. I mean, I, I'm, I'm like, wow, the things you do for me, God, I don't know, it kind of makes my heart well up with love and a sense of pride and admiration for Jesus because I'm like, whoa, like, like a newborn baby, I'm just like dependent upon you. You do this thing. Not only do you lead me, but you're the one who produces and sustains, maintains. I mean, this is good news. So the Holy Spirit empowers and enables us we owe a lot to the third person of the Trinity. We, we owe a lot to the Holy Spirit for who we are and what we have in Christ. Essentially, as we bring this thing to a close, any propensities that you and I have, any desires, any appetites that exist in our hearts to, to live a Spirit-filled, fruit-bearing life comes from the Holy Spirit comes from the Holy Spirit. And now the only way we can um, kind of live out that Spirit-filled, bearing life is if the Holy Spirit sustains that work. 
by us being led by him. Are you tracking with me? Uh, again, unless you thought you could boast. Oh, look at me. You know, uh, look what I did. Look, I went to prayer. Oh, I showed up for church this Sunday. Oh, I prayed this morning, got a little Jesus time before I went to work. I mean, all those things are being provoked. You are being, if you are aware of it or not, they are being provoked and produced by God's Spirit. Because there's nothing that you just wake up wanting to do in the flesh for God. And so, why am I saying that? Why am I beating this drum? Because some of us are so unaware of how much really the Holy Spirit is involved with our lives. How, how active He really is. I mean, the simple fact that maybe, maybe by the grace of God, some of you get up Monday morning and want to pray and read your Bibles. You think that that's not a miracle? That is a miracle. No, it's, it, I'm not trying to be funny here. I mean, it is funny when you think about it, but I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. It's the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart, working in you uh, the person of Jesus Christ, the fruit of His Spirit, producing it, even if it's in small ways, small measures, a little five-minute prayer, uh, time of prayer in the morning, a little, a little worship uh, set in your car as you're driving to work. All of that is being initiated by the Holy Spirit. And He's sustaining it. And hopefully, in your life, there's a certain kind of acceleration that the Holy Spirit is doing where he's, you know, which, which, with which what was maybe five minutes in the morning now becomes 10 minutes or 20 minutes or maybe what was a, uh, like two minutes in the car ride of a, of, a, of a Hillsong worship set in your car now becomes the whole ride. And, and this thing just begins to increase and accelerate into your life where suddenly you feel as though you can't get away, you can't escape the Holy Spirit, and what He's doing in your life. You know, how is it on earth that we went from, you know, Acts 7.28, which is where the proclamation was this. For in Him, now, now I believe this is Paul. Forgive me, I didn't do my, I think it's Paul. Um, but he says this in, in, in Acts 17, verse 28. He said, for in Him, now He's talking about the Holy Spirit. For in Him we live, we move, and we have our being. How do we go from this kind of heart to hearts that, well, Lord, whenever I can fit you in. Whenever I get time, Lord. I may make, make it a church. You know, some of us, here, here's the downside of this whole thing. Some of us have reduced our relationship with the Holy Spirit um, with, a, with a half an hour uh, worship and word service on Sunday morning. We, we really, some of us have gone that low to just fit God in for an hour and 30 on Sunday morning. It's crazy, right? If, I guess if you're real radical, maybe you're squeezing in a, a, a community group, right? Like, you know, another hour. And if you're, you're super, like, on fire for the Lord, you may attend, like, a prayer set once or twice throughout the week. But in all honesty, we have been filled with such lies that we are just too busy, too occupied. Therefore, this person who once we lived in, moved in, and have our being in, became reduced to just like, when I can fit you in, God. 
But yet we see in Scripture that he is an all-consuming fire. You know, if you can think about it like this, if, if anybody can relate, the Holy Spirit's kind of like that girlfriend who didn't give you any time with your friends. You know, you were dating her and she wanted all your time. You know, that's, that's kind of like what the Holy Spirit, he wants to be that person who is intrusive and I'm here to comfort you, guide you, lead you, produce in you appetites that glorify Jesus Christ. And, and we're sitting back, I, I, if you're like me, and we're sitting back, I don't got time for that, God. But yet, the Holy Spirit was never to fit in with our world, if you would, with our schedule. He is always present. Matter of fact, He is here now. Um, he will be here when you, with you when you leave. He will be uh, with you when you wake up, um, irregardless of you know, how bad your hair is or how much your breath stinks. Um, he will be right there, hopefully. Monday, when you get up, he will be right there provoking you to walk in him, to live in him, to be led by him. And don't just brush those things away. Don't just think like you just had like some kind of you know, moment of like, man, maybe I should pray. No, that it's bigger than just a moment of just like, I should pray. It's the Holy Spirit's nearness. And his pulling on you, producing within you more love, more kindness, more gentleness. And guys, here's where the community thing fits in. If, if we're going to do community, if we're going to do it right, if we're going to actually do right by one another, we're going to have to actually do it in the Holy Spirit. Because, you know, in, in 2019, we are easily offended, we are easily um, taken and, and kind of uh, are just we're, we, we easily get at odds with one another. And, and I don't know, I, I need the Holy Spirit. I'm sure you can attest to this. If I'm going to get along with you, if I'm going to love you like Christ calls me to love you and do community with you as Christ calls me to do community, I better being, I better be led. I better be walking. I better be in step. Matter of fact, let me go as far to say this. I better be living actually living in the Holy Spirit. So cultivating a Spirit-filled community looks like this. A community, I believe, that is utterly, completely dependent upon the Holy Spirit to do community. So that the person who seeks to divide us, seeks to tear us apart, can't find access, can't find a way in because we have been so taken and so sealed by the fruit of love and kindness and joy and patience with one another. That's, that's really where it materializes. That's really where you get to see just how much the Holy Spirit and His fruit is being produced in your life. So depend on Him. See yourself, guys, this morning as an infant that cannot do anything apart from the aid and the help of the Holy Spirit, and your life will change completely, radically, and supernaturally. Father, we thank you for your word.